the American Empire visited with their usual tactics and reach have supported an alien invasion of the fledgling cybernetic nation of Chile, all to advance their geopolitical zone. As they lost control of the situation, matters escalated to catastrophic degrees. With the invaders' mothership, massive holdout meteorite, is on crash course towards Earth. It is up to our heroes to stop this threat while life on Earth, with the help of valiant defenders like Tiff and Mark Zeman. Content warning. This issue contains violence, body horror, food, and fates worse than that. The environment just took a turn. Who feels confident to go next to be picked? Okay, so just as a quick refresher, the people that are in the order, we have the environment, we have the three of us, the king, whatever, of the aliens, the aliens, and Mac 5. Is that everybody? So we have uh, Jame and uh, his brigade, which are at D4. Oh, yeah. We have uh, a heavy trooper, alien lieutenant. We have Lord Durax. We have Mac 5. And we have a boost for Berserkir up to plus 3. And we have the meteor going to collide into the ground. Next will be the meteor. <laughs> I've got a plan, guys. You know what? I'm not going to tell you all rough outline of my plan. I think this will be a little funnier. I would like Jamie and the brigade to go. Okay. So what do you want them to do? I would like them to roll to create a boost. Okay. How that boost would look like. You see, it's going to be very particular for this overcome roll I'm going to make on my turn to convince Mac 5 that this is bad. I would like them to start being panicked and for them to be yelling for everyone to take cover. So I'm going to create the boost that uh, things are out of control. So that's a plus two. And then if they can pick me, I know what I'm going to do. Okay, they pick you. I like to imagine we're all kind of staring up stunned, except maybe for Durax, who's laughing maniacally. Yes. I'm going to grab back five around the shoulders and panicked yelling in his face just hey that looks really bad maybe we need to stop and figure out how to stop that okay so that will be an overcome but i'm gonna use my intuition my banter to status die does my principle of the team apply here if i specifically mention maybe we need to team up for a minute to deal with this and we'll all look better yeah, I guess it makes sense. So everyone gets a hero point. I think we already maxed it. I'm maxed. And uh, yeah, roll for max die. So a nine. Nice. Nice. The action completely succeeds. So you'll turn that to Mac 5 and Mac 5 is still baffled going, what the hell? And he's just staring, staring at the back of Lord Durax as as he gathers cosmic energy and seems to be undecided between striking down Lord Durax as his eyes dart between it and the incoming meteor ship. And he heeds your words and uh, seems to ponder what to do next. Uh, who do you win the initiative? And this is how I'm going to represent Pascal. I'm just going to be like, 
John Doe's eyes snap over to Highwayman. Hey, Highwayman, what do we do? Johnny is in bullet time right now. This is, I think, the only way I can represent the way his brain works is like everything has just slowed down to nothing. And he's trying to think of just any kind of plan to deal with a meteor. The only thing that I can think of is to somehow find a way to transmute the meteor. And like, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if he's powerful enough to do that. Well, I guess we're going to find out. So you're going to try to overcome that? I think so, yeah. So transmutation, deep space knowledge, and uh, your D12. Uh, are you using any of your principles? Like, I want to use the tactician, but I cannot fathom a way in which I could have been prepared for this exact situation. A lot of things sort of just happened here. Hey, hey, what if you asked Mac 5 for help? <laughs> And then you can justify using a uh, principle of the everyman because John Doe was the guy to be like, Mac 5, help. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, and I think what he says to Mac 5, and he says, hey, bud, use that uh, cosmic energy to go ahead and uh, help me out here. I need a little I need a little juice. And uh, yeah, he's going to try and hope that uh, Mac 5 will use his cosmic power to essentially boost my powers, because I think ordinarily Johnny's transmutation would not be strong enough to transmute a meteor. And I think he's trying to do that here. So he's just hoping that Mac 5 will follow along as he does this. Okay, so roll for overcome for the max day. Only a five. So the twist that I'm going to propose is that uh, the cosmic power to help with this is going to hurt. And you're going to take five health if you want to draw on the cosmic power. That would be totally okay with Johnny. Okay. Honestly, I think he would assume that it would hurt. Yeah. And uh, so describe uh, how it feels as you are supercharged with a blast of cosmic power and you transmute the meteor ship into something more manageable, but uh, it's still a longer way from dealing with it. What I'm picturing is that Johnny is kind of a power bottleneck here. He can typically only output so much of this transmutation style energy. And typically, like, that's just like the the amount that he can put out. This is like there is a massive power buildup in him as this cosmic energy is channeled through him because it's just so much more energy than his body is used to. So I think there's almost it's like there is a a feedback loop of energy going on inside him and only a little bit can get out at a time. But it's still much more powerful than he is used to when he when he does this. And I think what he transmutes the meteor into, um, I think as much of it as possible, he just tries to turn into just like mist like a i mean like a i think like a cloud basically just something that you know something that is not really capable of impacting the earth and maybe he doesn't get all of it but i think that that's what he would be trying to do yeah parts of it it starts to turning into gas and are erupting as it enters in contact with the atmosphere but the problem is it's still gonna be less mass but it's still gonna be a mass entering plus all that burning cannot be good so clearly there is still a danger here in coming. So who do you pick next? Bren, I kind of forget what your character's power set is. I have an axe and I hit things, but I also have kind of a plan. Good power. Uh, I mean, I am I am open to most things, I would say. It's just like, hey, John Doe, how good are you at landing? Oh, no. I'm real good at that. I have leaping as a superpower. <laughs> 
Okay, because I was thinking of basically doing a fastball special with the axe and John Doe straight at the meteor. Yeah, I kind of figured that was where that was going. I, there's no part of this sentence I am not part of. I love all of this. I assume you're using the boost. So basically clearing the path from the aliens with uh, highwayman shooting. How does that help you set up the fastball special? Clearly, so what I'm doing is I put my axe on the ground and I look at John Doe. I think we just nod at this point. He gets on and I just l- like oofta him straight up in the air. John Doe looks equal parts super excited and fucking terrified. So that would be signature weapon. I'm going to use my, see, would it be close combat or magical lore? This is the opposite of close combat. By the way, it's a D10. Yeah, so magical lore. Uh, also, is there any principle that applies? Principle of mastery. Yeah, exactly. I was going to suggest that because we still have not seen this happen in any of the comics. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. So you're going to get with uh, the max die. Holy crap. So tell me how the hell the magic empowered throne combination completely obliterates the meteor ship. I think, John Doe, you do feel the magic of the axe kind of envelop you, giving you some protection as I just launch you like a catapult straight at that. And it's the scene from One Punch Man where he just punches through the meteor. (laughs) I I love that. That's what I was thinking, too. Just... Like, there's only one way to deal a superhero deals with a meteor, and that's punching it. Unless you're like Green Lantern. Wait, no, Green Lantern would punch the meteor too with a giant green fist. I do definitely think, like, thinking like a comic book, the panel is just John Doe looking just as surprised as everyone else when it works. The mothership of the invasion, the 10 kilometers meteorite coming in towards Earth, it just shatters into a cloud of dust and still empowered by cosmic energies. The transmutation effect just dissipates it in gas that just burns away with uh, an aurora borealis located entirely here for a precious second. And who do you pick to go next? Who's available right now? I forget. So it's the Heavy Trooper, it's Lord Durax, it's Mac 5, and uh, it's not the environment already went. So yeah, so it's only the enemies that still have not gone. Yeah, I just got to pick my poison. Lord Durax. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Lord Durax was sinking into the ground laughing maniacally as he sent his spaceship coming down and he just comes out outrageous. No! You fools! You disrupted my plans and you have stranded me here in this disgraceful little dirt ball. I'll have my revenge! And uh, as Jando is landing, Basically, he jumps to meet him landing and he faces his body in an attempt to reincorporate his hand through John Doe's chest, impaling him as the two met at high velocity. So let's see how this attack goes. And uh, because it is a nearby attacker, if he deals damage to me, he will take the equal amount of damage. This is going to be really a collision. Oh, (laughs) that's a lot of damage. That's one damage. I'll take it. He can share it. And yeah, he saves. So 
you meet at high speed. And how does it look when you retribute your damage? John Doe's used this ability a couple of other times during the fight. He usually just either makes people redirect their attack or hits them, you know, or does some quick light hits back. This time, John Doe, his eyes seem a little thousand yard stairsy, and uh, he leans into Durax's attack and then just starts hitting him in the head, and he's just got the full blown, like, slasher smile. Yeah, and you finish with the judo or aikido throne, and you basically dissipate the energy as both of you land in opposite sides. And uh, he turns around to Mac 5 and basically demands help. You have lied to us. You must lend us assistance. And Mac 5 is still looking at dissipating meteor ship, and uh, he approaches with heavy steps causing the shapeless earth to dent and uh, he turns to Lord Irax you have breached the contract and punches him with full cosmic power and as he tries to face through his enveloped and he's sent at high speed deep 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 into the core of the earth and he picks the heavy trooper next and the heavy trooper sees Berserkir doing this fast fall special and still saying something in the alien language charges against them again so that will be five damage unless you have anything against it I'll, I'll just I'll just take it. It's only two damage to me. I think we are at the end of the round. Okay, so who we picks next? Uh, I think he's going to pick Berserkir because he wants to continue this duel. Okay, there are there is one red box left. Oh boy. <laughs> so you're going to yeah, you're going to have this turn and another turn to beat Mac 5 ultimate weaponry. I think I'll use that. Yeah, so this is a attack. This is a boost and an attack. Yeah. So unleash your ultimate weapon. Okay, so that's an eight boost and a seven attack plus boost. So that will be a plus three. So what is this boost? What this boost looks like? So this is the kind of the whole I activate a rage. This is his full potential and it's just going focusing the the magics and the spirits around him just charge up his body to increase his strength and skill and just goes straight at Mach 5 yeah okay so that's 10 damage and he grants between his teeth well so much for for some stress and who do you pick to go next I'm gonna pick the lieutenant soldier okay and just to be sure, uh, Lord Durax is out of the picture, right? Yes, Lord Durax is gone. I believe I heard the core of the Earth. Yeah, he's not doing so hot. I hear there's a lot of pressure down there. Well, it's also pretty hot down there, too. It's also that. It's both. <laughs> Lord It's Lord Durax, more like Lord Lava. Yeah, and uh, the lieutenant is still determined to take you down, seeing as you as the as the people that destroyed the mothership. So that's six damage incoming towards you. So you can do a reactive strike. I could. Nine damage redirected back to him. That will be enough damage that uh, they're gonna go down a, D- a dice size. So yeah, you you turn the the strike back on him, and uh, he is seriously weakened. So he now has a D eight. 
Who he picks next? Uh, he picks Mac 5. So, Mac 5, now that you are distracted with the, the heavy trooper, raises himself from the ground and shakes the dust off his sleeve. Lord Rex might be gone, but the good thing with his little stunt is that now that his people are stranded here, I have an army that is more determined than ever into taking these lands. And he snaps his fingers and a landing craft comes. It's a D8 that is the minimum. Each of them is a D8. So they are bigger squads than uh, than previously before. It's just two landing crafts full of them. Each of them landing on a different side of him as more minions join the fight. And who still has not gone? He's going to pick John Doe. John Doe is is lost in who John Doe used to be, and that guy really wants to take out Mac 5 fast. I'm going to use my red zone ability, where I can attack using my intuition, using my max plus my min die. I ignore all penalties, ignore any defense, and it cannot be affected by reactions. So John Doe, with this thousand-yard stare, suddenly closes the gap between him and Mac 5 and starts not the big, over-the-top acrobatic fighting style, that he usually uses, but just ruthless efficiency. All right, so max plus min is going to be 10 damage. That ignores everything. He was going to do his trick of switching places with uh, um, some minions, but you are so fast that not even a Mac 5 has time to react, and uh, you throw him through the ground, scratching him all over, and he takes 10 damage that is now at 25. Who do you pick to go next? Let's have our homies go. And what do you want them to do? We're going to sit. Hopefully they get the signal that they should leave and they leave. Yeah, so Jaime and his men, they basically, as they see the craft landing and they see that they risk being crushed by overwhelming numbers, they start shooting back as they to retreat as the battle seems to be coming to its end one direction or another. Yeah. And they pick Highwayman. I'm having trouble right now figuring out Johnny would do in this situation. Um, in the sense of I can't decide if he would just truly and genuinely go for an attack or if he would actually try to be like, hey, bud, like you need to go maybe re-examine your priorities and shit. You just almost blew up the planet uh, because you didn't fucking check out the deal you were making. But I think considering the fact that Bezerk here is just beating the shit out of him and John Doe is also beating the shit out of him, I think he might just attack him. Okay, so what's it going to be? I'm going to use my unerring strike, which similar to John Doe. Yeah, it's an excellent ability for someone who's slippery, Mac. Yeah. Yeah, so lightning calculator and what? I feel like secret moon veteran is just the thing here. Actually, you know what? I'm going to actually I'm going to push for deep space knowledge because I'm like I think part of the reason he's trying to do this is because of that. That sneaky trick he keeps pulling where he swaps places. Uh, that's a cosmic energy thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, especially with Lightning Calculator, you're trying to predict when he's going to swat and hit him immediately after he does that. It's a 12. And the min is a 4, so that's 16 damage that are coming. So, yeah, it's going to be devastating. He's going to be at 9. So tell us exactly how you trick him into being at the wrong place and getting really intercepted by your shooting ability. 
There is a moment on his face as John Doe is absolutely just wailing on this man. I think it is a moment of rage and contempt in a sense that he genuinely sees us and sees this place as beneath him. But also, I think there is some fear there as John starts to truly and genuinely harm him. And Johnny notices that and he waits until exactly the moment that Mac 5 finally is able to trigger that power to try and swap places. And basically, the moment that Mac 5 reappears, there is a bullet intentionally, but just barely misses like a major artery going through, like basically like at the at the join between the shoulder and the neck, like just this big ass sniper rifle bullet, just pow. And Johnny is just standing there with a smoking sniper rifle pointed directly at him. And he says, maybe it's time for you to go ahead and stand down there. But I guess I passed it. I passed it the environment, I guess. Right. That's all that there is. Yeah, it's the only one left. Yeah, and uh, the environment is is gonna. It's the same thing that has been happened. Gonna happen again. The bombardiers die. Still gonna keep dropping bombs here, and everything explodes again. Volley comes, and uh, it just explosions everywhere. So everyone gonna take four damage. So one of the squadrons is gone. The steel reeling uh, Mac 5, the exchange place with uh, the other squadron as one of the alien bombs is going to hit him and uh, the bomb eliminates the other squad. The alien lieutenant just rolls as an, uh, a bomb explodes behind him. That's everyone on their side. What do you do with the four damage coming for the bombs? I'm just going to soak it. John Doe takes it. Yeah, no, I guess I just take it. The environment starts anew and picks the alien heavy trooper that still, no matter what is happening, is still locked in combat. So that's eight damage that are going Berserker's way. I got to defend against that. <laughs> See, what can I do? How much health do you have? I have seven health right now. I reduce it by three, so that'll put me at two. But I mean, you can use reactive strike then. Yeah, but that doesn't defend against me. Could I react and defend Berserk here? Do I have that as an option? Do you? Just wondering if it's worth going down to two, because this is our last turn. Yeah, I think, you know, worst case scenario, you are taken out. Like, as long as he does not pick Mac 5 or the environment, you should be fine. Yeah, that's that's the problem, is he could, and oh man. But he's been picking you most turns. He want to fight you. I'm going to soak it. Okay, so you take four. You went to reactive strike that. All right, I'll bonk that man. (laughs) (laughs) We have exactly 16 damage in the table. So tell us how you defeat this alien heavy trooper, this ice giant of space. Okay, so what weapon is he using? I don't think we ever established. Is he just punching me? Basically, he has been uh, just punching you with cyber enhanced body. That uh, every time he gets hurt, the muscle just keeps getting replaced by more muscle and uh, cybernetic growth. So what he does is he allows him to punch him and just kind of takes the hit, takes the axe 
puts it in both hands and just brings it down on the arm, breaking it, basically just shattering the entire bone structure of the arm to where it's going to take some time for it to heal. And the ice giant, the alien ice giant, as Joachim perceives it, is just screaming on the ground, pain with his arm completely and utterly dislocated. Yeah, as the muscle keeps regrowing, it's only worse because it just keeps pushing uh, bone shards to the wrong place. And the result is that he gets like in a prisoner of meat as it grows over. Okay. And uh, he is defeated and he picks you to go next. I don't think I can do anything to that. he Because I don't have that nice little he doesn't get reaction strike. Yeah, but that's uh, that's not going to be a problem because there are no minions. I thought there was one minion left. Uh, no, they got uh, taken out by the bombardment. Oh, OK. OK, that changes what I was going to do. I was going to do a boost to one of the other two and then um, which I might do anyways. Actually, I got that persistent boost here, so I'm just going to use a power strike. So that's 10 damage on him. Mac 5 is still shaken, trying to recover, just teleporting from one place to another to evade the bombs. How do you end him? I think he's like, he, t- he takes a look at a uh, highwayman and he's like, kind of got that, you shot me face as he's looking at the bullet wound. And then suddenly he's not paying attention to me. I just kind of slam hit into him and just, just collide. And it's like a big sonic boom as he just goes into one of the cliff sides that are or housings or something like that honestly so much has happened to this place that i don't even know anywhere all enemies are defeated uh you won so mac 5 is at your mercy captured what do you do the aliens the ships are just running away in opposite directions the anarchists come back I think Johnny is leaning on his sniper rifle in such a way as like you would lean on like a crutch. He's a little beat up and he's looking up at the alien spaceships and he's like, y'all, y'all go on good now. He's like, I think normally he would try to say something like clever or snarkier, but he's just tired. John looks eyes still with that far away look. Hey, uh, hey, Johnny. Yeah. You might want to telex this one in. Yeah. I think Joachim just at this point, because he, he used a lot of power over and he takes a lot of hits. He's at two health right now. He's just going to pass out as basically this, the magic and the spirits leave him. He just kind of goes to the knees and just falls flat on his face. Here's, here's where I get to do one of my, my favorite things. John Doe's going to run over and try and offer some basic first aid. Hey, uh, hey, Ludo, does, does John Doe know medicine? <laughs> I mean, you clearly know uh, in the first aid that would be expected from the soldier in the battlefield. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, just muscle memory takes over and you go to the procedures. Yeah, I don't think Johnny even reacts to that because at this point he's just become very accustomed to just like John's doing something now. And I don't know that I didn't know that he could do that. But all right, sure, whatever. Based on the whole deep space knowledge thing, would Johnny understand how cosmic power works in such a way as to be able to like temporarily cut it off? Like, could he like, you know, put a Faraday cage around it or something like that? Yeah, uh, with enough time, uh, you could contain a Mac 5 so that you can transport him safely. 
Yeah, I think that would be at least the long term or I guess the most immediate goal. You said we were at there were some houses nearby, right? Yeah, homesteads and the silos and warehouses, plus all the tunnels that blow up three or four times. Jaime Aquilar, are, are, are they still sort of around or did we like really, really make them leave? They did not have time to get very far away. They come back and uh, Jaime and his people, they look around, uh, they go looking for survivors. And uh, Jaime, he sits on the record jeep and uh, he cleans the sweat from his brow. Will not have made without your help. You really saved the day today. Let me tell you, my friend, we honestly, I don't know if we would have made it out to the other end without your help either. So you are, uh, we are truly grateful y'all were here. Thank you for, you know, keeping such a close watch on this place. Hey, I'm going to just real quick write down, I need a, uh, a basic list of her. And he just like pulls out a little, like a little notepad that he probably has in his duster and starts writing down. He's like, I need a, a few things. We need to get this fella here contained before he wakes up so that we can cut off that cosmic power he was doing, get him out of here and get him out of your hair. So doesn't have to be much just whatever sort of material you can kind of get together quick like as long as it you know fills my needs you know of course anything that we use we'll try to get back to you in as best condition possible and uh he nods and uh well you can help yourself to whatever we have supplies we're going to be traveling light now but we shall be getting away you could perhaps ask your friend for help and uh, he points with his chin towards the the track that is speeding towards your direction now that the battle is over i was actually about to mention also uh alina should be coming in at any minute so um chris whatever whatever you're calling yourself highway man get ready it's dr willard cash pardon elena comes out of the driver's seat and she is still her kappa ready and she looks around and elena olivar recognizes jaime quillar and turns to john doe john doe i expect you apprehend this man and deliver him to justice Ms. Olivar, may I see your telex machine? It's on the back of the track, but it's imperative that we don't uh, let this man run away into the mountains again. Ms. Olivar, I, I know you were just privy to the light show, wherein we repulsed a group of alien invaders with an, with an intent on working with American imperial interests and turning this piece of land into their new home. Mr. Puellar was vital to the our repulsion of this invasion, to our defeat of these aliens, and to our capture of this dangerous American agent. I would like... What, is, what does Mr. Puellar stand accused of? Jaime Quellar has been instigating insurgencies on both sides of the border and has carried dangerous activities that have compromised the safety of the communist state of Chile. I'm going to look at him as I hear these charges. He leans back and uh, just shrugs. You saw what I've been doing. We have helping fighting for this land against everyone that seeks to command it. We just don't fight the way that the government wants us to fight. I'd really prefer we take this to System 5, especially in light of his service today. 
I get up. I'm covered in blood, gore, and cybernetic parts, and I just glare at her, try and convince her, like, okay, maybe, maybe not angering the guy who did a lot. I don't want to take full credit because I did not do everything, but I took a lot of hit. I want to. I actually want to calculate how much damage I took, but I can't because I don't remember like how much each reduction did. I help on this somehow. You could create a boost. I would like to create a boost. I'm also going to try to create a boost. Uh, I guess because John Doe has been talking, that can be represented by a boost. Sweet. Uh, Highwayman, what do you do? I mean, Alina Oliver is an extension of the military, correct? She's uh, the, a member of the Ministry of National Defense. So she is connected basically to, I guess it would be the equivalent to the home office or... So basically, they are the civil authority which oversee the military and the cops. Well, no longer. She is part of the bureaucracy that handles the civil oversight over the military. The cops don't exist? What a paradise. Well, there's also not much of a military. That's the thing. Right. Um, I think then Johnny's going to try and appeal to her, her, I mean, her sense of tactics, basically, because that is like sort of his his mindset on that. He's just going to, going to point out that the more clear and present danger is Mac 5, and in order to transport him back where we need him to be, once we get all these materials together to put together a Faraday cage, we are not going to have room for Jaime. And that's like, it would just be a poor allocation of our resources here to focus on him more so than this dude who has cosmic power that almost blew up the country. I created a plus two of John Doe governmental influence. <laughs> I create a plus one of that guy's got a point. <laughs> she takes in and look, he might have helped on this situation, but grand part of the reason why shit hit the fan and why Olico and the United States have become so aggressive is in great part because of the actions of his people. And they should answer for that. I'm sure that whatever he has accomplished here today will be attenuating circumstances that will be considered by the tribunal. And uh, it's time for Berserk here. So you have uh, a plus two government influence or a plus one. Uh, that guy got a point. Then uh, you can use these boosts to improve. That's a nine. Okay, so you get a success. So how are you trying to be imposing to end this conversation? I think he's like like what I originally said. I'm just going to go up to her, glare until she looks away, and then just sit in the passenger seat of the truck bleeding on everything. She sighs and she turns the teacup in the other direction. I'm sure your testimony will be enough. And if the tribunal decides that Jaime Kudelar has to answer for his actions, that uh, System 4 will take responsibility for delivering him to justice. And I think one of the most competent moments of subtlety that Johnny Jennings has ever performed, I think he, I, I think he's kind of feigning being just tired. And he locks eyes with Jamie and says, I am quite certain that if that proves to be the case, we will do exactly that. And he winks at Jamie very subtly, I think trying to convey like, you need to lay low, bud. So what is going to be the last panel? I feel like it would be us loading a contained Mac 5 into the back of this Jeep. And I think that's just it. Like it's, it's just us loading that up and, and getting ready to head back.
If you ever find yourself wandering the streets of Santiago in the year 70X, perhaps you can join us for lunch at the Little Expat Restaurant, known as the Cuisiner's Sun Frontiers. talk about uh, the favorite place for uh, the agents of System 4 to go for lunch. And uh, so, John Doe, what about the, the place where you go for, uh, uh, for lunch? What tells you that it was created by deserters and volunteers that fought for Chile during the American invasion of 74? It's not the outside. They moved into uh, one of the many buildings being rapidly built. Uh, it's actually on the inside. It's decorated a little bit closer to what the American deserters considered a restaurant should look like. Uh, so at the time, it does have that kind of weird 50s diner aesthetic, even though it serves a variety of foods. It's got booths. There's a juke. There's a jukebox in the corner. Lots of neon and chrome, not in the weird cyberpunk way, but in the, you know, everything shiny and futuristic looking. So despite the Americana that is put here, which is kind of a turnoff for local people, uh, it makes it a kind of a meeting place for the expats and uh, all the diaspora people and basically anyone that for one reason or another came to Chile. So no wonder that uh, it kind of feels at home for many of the people that work for System 4 or similar institutions. And uh, there was a principle which was beyond its function as it uh, meant to give both a new purpose for the veterans of the war as well as function again as a social nexus. So Berserkir, what about this restaurant speaks to this principle of everyone gets work and everyone gets a meal when they come seeking for either? I think there's a big old bulletin board of jobs, like uh, basically, for lack of a better term, an adventuring board, but for work and stuff like that, just behind where, God, I haven't been in a diner in so long. What does is, what is an inside of a restaurant look like? I haven't been in one in so long. <laughs> well, I was in one last night, so let me tell you. Because I want to say behind the maitre d', but there wouldn't be a maitre d' in a diner. But I guess behind the pedestal that where the maitre d' is supposed to stand, but doesn't. Host. Host, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just the low-class way of referring to a maitre d'. I don't know. Yeah, and it has a whole bunch of jobs on it, I guess. Also, it sounds like this is the kind of place where they would, instead of having a host at all, they would just have a sign that says, please seat yourself. Yeah, somewhere behind that. That's what I was thinking, too. Place for the mate, for the host to stand, but it just says, please seat yourself on it. And um, these serve as a very important role in the early days after the war. But uh, as people moved out to seek better jobs in some of the cooperatives, or they moved on to fight the war in other places like Neuburing, Argentina, 
So, Johnny, what changed as the center of cooks from all over the world, this strange diner transformed into an impromptu culinary schools that is one of the most vibrant nexus of popular international cuisine in Santiago. The big thing here, I don't think it is so much... The people running this are no longer running this in the sense that they are running a restaurant. They are effectively running a a sort of a pop-up space. I don't feel like there is the typical hierarchy that comes in a lot of restaurants. There is no, like, this is the head chef. Beneath them is the sous chef. You know, like, they manage, like, these different, like, cooks and stuff. Like, the whole idea, I mean, it's, like you said, it's an impromptu culinary school. So there's a constant sort of state of, like, teaching and different things. And there are people who, I, I think it's more like kitchen managers rather than an actual like overall chef but I also think that what has made this place so vibrant and interesting despite it's like very kind of retro futurism like 50s aesthetic I'm pretty sure the menu changes just about every day it basically comes down to like people will you know sign up in advance and just be like hey I you know I'm from this part of the world I haven't had food from here in a while I would like to you know cook and serve just out of like you know just out of like this culinary canon or like and, and basically they'll sign up in advance and as long as they have the chop at least like you know uh, enough like foresight they will effectively kind of run the place for the day and they just decide what that day's menu is and it varies wildly every day you can be eating food from like a very specific region in india and then the next day you're eating like i mean just like a a standard like polish breakfast and then you know the day after that you're eating something from west africa it just bounces all over the place So, the name of the restaurant is the Cuisinier Sans Frontiers, and um, as you know, it is one of your favorite places to come here. And uh, you have basically your own boot, the place where you usually hang out. Because again, the perks or disadvantage of being a superhero is also run strange times. But uh, for most of the time, the place is open to receive. And uh, it does not have waiting staff as usual. Again, as, uh, as it was noticed by Berserkir, it is basically self-serving for many of the purposes. You sit yourself, you organize yourself, and uh, there are... They just call you when whatever you order is ready for you to pick up. And uh, for kind of anything else on waiting or hosting, it's usually it's the chef that is on service. Well, just more what is the head of a given speciality that is the, the current teacher that is overseeing the other chefs that uh, they are doing what they propose for the menu. They are the ones that also kind of double for, uh, for that purpose as well as preparing meals for people to take away and whatnot. And uh, today, it is the free tourer that is on duty. And uh, John Doe, what can you tell me about the free tourer of uh, the Cuisinaire Sans Frontiers? Uh, a brief aside that will cut out. Do you want me to, to establish the thing we discussed when we first discussed the restaurant the other day? I mean, I mean, uh, I added the, the chef chinchilla, the ocelot, as a patisseur. So the free today will be someone else. I, I just want to, I just want to interject very quickly. Did you just say the option exists here for this to be a chinchilla or an ocelot? It is an ocelot named with chinchilla. That seems pretty rad. That is a patisseur. This is a good game. Anyways, 
They are actually they're an they're an old expat American super, uh, probably from World War Two. But even then, they were starting to get a little older. Who've given up all of that? They didn't really want to do it during World War Two, but they kind of got pushed into it, and now they're just very happy to be a chef here. I'm not going to try and butcher that friend that word again, but uh, the person referring to is. Charles Sulky, and they are an ex-super from the Americas. Very happy, retired, not using their superpowers anymore. And now he just fries stuff. And he loves to fry stuff. So, Berserkir, can you tell us why did you pick the booth that you pick as the place where you like to hang out? I think the booth has a bunch of old superhero pictures from the war, uh, several wars, in fact, and they're all signed. There's this very awkward picture of Berserk here because he just joined like, oh, new superhero. We got to get your picture on the wall. And he's just like just really awkward, candid picture was signed in runes of Berserk here, like in the in the newest spot. <laughs> but there's like almost every superhero that has ever been in here, including a very young picture of Charles Sulky in his super suit, which I can I describe? I don't know. Yeah, go for it, please. I think it's like this very atypical American outfit that legally distinct from Captain America kind of deal, but he's got like a sword and shield and stuff like that. And a, a bunch of like kind of almost Rob Liefeld esque pocket straps full of ammo as he's just got this kind of smile. But anybody who's like experienced war can tell this is the smile of someone who's seen too much and just wants to fry everything possible. And I mean, fry like in deep fry. That's all he wants you take your place, and uh, Charles Solke approaches to greet the three of you, and uh, he gives a snide look to your guests for lunch. And uh, without missing a bit, he tells you what is the menu today. And Johnny, what is the menu here? What have the students prepared? What have they fried for you? Oh, there are so many delicious fried things. I feel like it's probably a few different things, but the idea is they're all like, you know, they're like pastry, like pastry things. Like, I mean, like all things that are wrapped, basically. And that's kind of the, like the focus today is it's all stuff that you can just like, you know, pick up. They're all like, I don't want to say hand pie. I feel like hand pies are probably on there realistically, but like, you know, and then like they've got empanadas, they've got samosas, they've got, you know, fried dumplings, just a lot of stuff like that. Just like, you know, just different styles of wrapping, styles of production of dough. Like yeah, that's kind of the focus today it's a very informal thing today i think like it's just kind of like you just order you know plates of a few things for the table they all come with like a whole bunch of different dipping sauces and stuff and it's just sort of you know you just sort of like load up a plate and just kind of chill and munch hand pies for dessert because you got it it's all fried it's all it's, it's everybody's gonna have a rough day in the morning yeah so your guests are looking at the menu and you can see a sheer look of contempt on the face of mac5 as he looks at the med menu this is all extremely pedestrian i knew that it could not be anything good the moment i look at the building outside you have something that is not fried now no today's friday yeah I want to be clear. Johnny is being both referential to the restaurant and literal. It is also Friday. It's like, no, today's Friday. They fry stuff on Friday. It's just, like, 
Yeah, it's on. Yeah, it's on Friday that the Frituraire is on charge. Yes. Yeah, he's like, no. It's hey, listen. I I know you're probably unfamiliar with a whole bunch of this stuff. I I promise they crush it here. It's it's fantastic. You're gonna love it. Don't even worry about none of it. All right. Hey, tell you what. Let me just go ahead and let me just go. If you if if with your permission, just go ahead and order for for all of us. Well, you, you don't have to pick and choose. This man just like he knows what he's doing. He sort of in that sort of eye rolly kind of way. He winks over at at Sulky. And Silky is rubbing his hands. You know, today's raps, because it's a highly technical thing, these are not new students. Each of them is a chef on their own right. So raps is something that always needs their expertise. This is why the menu. But, you know, I have some fruity de mayo that I prepared it myself. Maybe that could be something more to your friend here taste. Hey, all right, there you go, Fruit of Tomorrow. That's, that is a specialty. What do you say there, Mac? Is his real name Mac? Do we know his real name? We're going to ask his real name. Okay, we'll ask him his real name in a bit. I, I could just say, he, he says, what do you say there, Mac? That's a, you know, oysters, he's probably got some, I mean, he's got some stuff going on back there, I bet. Name's Alphonse Carnegie, and uh, you can see on Sulky's recognition. Wait, you're shitting me, right? And he points to you, Carnegie? Like the media company? Oh, I'll be damned. You, uh, you got a bit of a family, don't you? <laughs> Uh, well, nice to meet you, Alphonse. I guess if we're being friendly, you can call me Johnny. And he, uh, I mean, you know, he's a reasonable soul. He extends a hand to shake. Deal, I'd be displeased at Alphonse shakes hands. Yes, I suppose we are both great heroes of America, the three of us. And he smiles at Sulky. And Sulky just puts a rag over his shoulders and shrugs. Nah, overstating. And Lord Durax is like looking at, at the menu. What is this fruity di mare? I don't understand any of this fried stuff. It's all good. I should have asked, what do you, your your lordship, I guess, what do you actually eat? Anything that is not, that involves proteins, because your earth proteins, they would not work for the assembling on my superior ribosomes. But you eat, okay, so you eat like things that are meat? No, no, no. Anything but meat. I cannot eat proteins of any kind. Oh, oh, you're all set. No, you're you're, you're totally fine. Uh, we can we can definitely work around that. I, almost certainly there are things, pastries in here that do not contain any meat and are, are vegetables. I mean, like there are vegetables on the inside. I think, although gluten would technically still be a problem. Does glute, is gluten one of the kinds of proteins that Lord Drex can't eat? I'll try. I'll test some of those. And... Uh, I think he says, Chuck, I'm sorry to bother you, my man. You got anything kind of more in the neighborhood of like a salad? I, I know it's it's not what's on the menu today, but this feller, he's not from around here, as I'm sure you can tell. Well, there's always the soup and he turns to the soup of the day. There's always free soup to whoever comes out from the street. And what is the soup today? See, I'm trying to think in the terms that, like, this is a place, like you said, these are, like, they, there is always free soup, and I feel like that is very intentionally designed to be filling, which would almost certainly be some sort of bean soup, and that would not fly here. So I think it is probably some very, like, hearty tomato soup. Like a gazpacho. I don't think a gazpacho. Just, like, I, because that's that's actually what I was going to say at first, is, like, that's a fully, fully plant soup for most of the time, which would be, that would be devoid of proteins. But I know that this is also meant to be feeding people. So, like, just some sort of very rich tomato soup, I think, probably with, like, some potatoes in there, you know, something dense. But without the proteins, that might make this large alien feel sick. Yeah, and the sulky disappears into the kitchen and leaves the five of you alone. Raxi, this your uh, first time on Earth? 
Yes, I had no interest into traveling into these remote regions of the Milky Way, as you call it. I did not come here because I had other options. This place is disgusting. And uh, he slurps the soup, but the soup is fine. Oh, good. I'm glad you like it. Question for you, my lord. While we're on the topic of space, whereabouts do you come from? I know it's, I mean, I know it's, you know, far out somewhere else. I'm just like, you know, we're uh, sort of still fairly new to understanding the deeper reaches of space around these parts. And uh, maybe you mind helping us get some bearings a little bit, just sort of where, where we sit in the universe. Oh, my empire stretched from the fourth star of Vega all the way to Omicron. It involved 24 star systems. Sounds big. Hell of an accomplishment, I gotta tell you. It was big. It took many generations to build, and it was all lost in one moment of treachery. Oh, that's right. I forgot he's a galactic fail son. <laughs> How'd you and Mac 5 hook up? A Carnegie, he scratches chin. Well, as an intergalactic media mogul, I knew that uh, our dear Lord Durex, he was much maltreated by the media. They called him a tyrant and a super, and I lent the support of my vast network to contradict the portrait that was popular in rags like the CNN. And uh, I rewashed his image as a poor rightful sovereign that was misled by bad advisors that now rule this corrupt democracy on his stead. And that for the bad advisors to be cast away, the galaxy needed to see the good of Lord Rax. And uh, it was during one of those PR campaigns that uh, I was introduced to Lord, Lord Drax and uh, well the rest is history you look like a very competent and capable commander oh out of character y'all i'm uh i'm sorry to tell you this but i think we've just been informed that this man is basically fox news but in space i'm i'm incredibly depressed by this <laughs> yeah yeah, that's not ideal. Woof. It's, you know, I got to be honest with you. Did you not sort of think that as sort of the head of a conquering galactic empire that just, I mean, no, no, no hard feelings, your highness. We, 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 we fully understand uh, that it's just sort of your sort of universe works. But did you not think, Alphonse, that the head of this sort of conquering galactic force would probably just try to conquer your planet also? Did you not really consider that part? It seems like sort of one of the first things when might think about. Yeah, I mean... Well, yes, but uh, my friends at the CIA, they have given me the equipment to keep uh, controlling check. You see, Lord Durax here is a bit unique. He means that I'm a clone, and every single one of my soldiers is a clone of myself, because when I was deposed, I could not use my armies, so I had to use the only person I could trust, me! And Alphonse not. But the thing is, he lacked the cloning facility, and now, because of some of our alien partners in business, we have managed some uh, some cloning facilities, an older model, of course, and that is something that we provided to Lord Durax. And uh, he winks at you across the table. Now, my people in the CIA, they tell me that there is some kind of defect on the cloning facilities, and uh, unfortunately, without uh, their maintenance and oversight, the clones will not last more than five years. So it is in the best interest of everyone that there is a good relationship. That's some Blade Runner stuff right there. Wait, 
No, Blade Runner hasn't come out yet. It is not. Uh, the book might have. Are you well read? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Marzakir. Well, this whole time, that, that was out of character. That was out of character. But then I just thought of like, <laughs> Joachim's face has kind of got that uh, math lady look right now. Like, <laughs> wait, hold on. What year is it? 97X. Oh, yeah, no, you're, you you got the book, but no movie. Movie's uh, 1982. Yeah, 19. Every two months, or no, every month, just Joachim gets a shipment, just a big cart, like a big box of books that just are dropped out of a plane on, onto his island, and Phil O.K. Dick is in some of them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so he's read a lot. Just parts of Phil O.K. Dick. I mean, like, it's like, you know, so also you got the classics in there. You know, you got your, your, your John Steinbeck. Yeah. Oh, God. He wants to be sad. He wants to he wants to feel the sadness at the heart of humankind. You are always well served with dick and grapes. Brackets rot. John Doe's gonna look so what you said is that Raxi, they got you over a barrel. Well, I suppose you could say the same for your government. My understanding is you two are mercenaries for this Chile place. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not a mercenary. I mean, we're not mercenaries. We're gamefully employed. Like we, you know, we're, we we don't just like take gigs. We like I, I have a desk. I go into work. Yeah, I got a I got an office. I mean, it's shared, but it's an office. Yeah, it's, I mean, like it's 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 our office. Yeah, we have an office. Yeah, these why will never understand me. Lord Durax never worked a day on his life. Rax, you didn't need to say that. We knew. Hey, bud, that's not a, I feel like you sort of, it sounded like you thought that that was bragging or boasting or whatever. And it did not read that way at all. Honestly, that's just like, hmm, that's gross. Come on, man. It was like, you don't want to like learn nothing about how to like, you know, just be a person or I mean, what's, what kind of, uh, sorry, what is the, what's your persuasion? What do y'all call yourselves vis-a-vis species? I'm sorry if that's rude. I am the last of my species. Durax is both my name and the name of my species. I outsurvived all of them. A little confusing. Oh, so you're like endangered. <laughs> he, he is. He's endangered. Holy shit. That's, yeah, that's the truth. You get it. Colonel G points out and see, this is why we, the Americans, are doing this great job preserving the environment, both on Earth and beyond the frontiers of our solar system. Yeah, I would definitely say that the opportunity for someone to drop a fucking meteor on the planet would obliterate life. That's doing a great job of managing the environment. Conservation 10 out of 10. You are absolutely right about that, my friend. That's just what that is. I, I think like stands up real quick and walks over to uh, a little like I think there are a few little side stations in this place. Like you said, it's mostly self-service where he goes and gets like another. He refills a pitcher of water and comes back to the table and pours it for everybody. Uh, he's like, anybody in the mood for coffee? Uh, we're, uh, you know, I would uh, I would uh, I don't want to I don't want to leave anybody out. I would adore some. Yoki, beer for me. I'll see if uh, I'll see if there's some. Uh, yeah, I'll check. I'll, I'll I'll poke my head in the back and see if and see if Chuck's got any of that. Well, I just ordered some beer battered fish, so they should have some beer here somewhere. You know, you're not you're not entirely wrong. Enrique, coffee. And you can see Eric from the other side. No, no, no. The soup is fine. <laughs> you all of you should be getting some of the soup. Enrique, I, I'm just getting coffee for the for the table. Do you want me to grab you some coffee as well? Sure. How do you take your coffee? Strong. No sugar. Okay. All right. And then he looks at Alphonse and Lord Durax and he says, uh, coffee, either of you. Durax, uh, coffee is protein free. It comes normally, so. 
you should be fine there. Now it does contain sort of a chemical stimulant that may be foreign to you. Don't know how that's going to hit, but it could be funny. Uh, Alphonse, you know what coffee is. Yes, I'll take mine with cream. I hope it's a good roast. It's local, so it usually is honestly absolutely excellent. Delightful. Your your lordship? Yes, I'll try this coffee. Okay, we're gonna bring you a we'll bring you a small a small cup first. You can see how it hits you and then I'll get you another one. Or I'll get you a bigger cup if you're if you're into it. Yeah, he goes and grabs coffee for the table. Uh just like a I mean like a full, you know, like coffee service tray. So there's like a you know, a decently sized carafe there, uh cups for everybody, a small one for Lord Durax, cream, he brings sugar. Johnny takes his coffee, basically beige. Like it has lots of cream, lots of sugar. Ah, yes, it hits the spot. Right? It's a pity that the coffee does not do anything for me after getting cosmic powers. I had wondered about that. Does metabolism all work just kind of a little different for you? Very, very. I'm actually, I'm being pretty, pretty lucky. As you know, me and uh, some of my friends, each of us, the scion of a great company and uh, our uh, butler slash driver, we took an expedition to test space tourism, but we got bombarded by the energies and that caused changes. This is why we became the Max, uh, America's favorite superhero team. And uh, yes... Ever since then, I could not feel the effects of stimulants, but I always loved the taste of coffee. And unfortunately, in space, it's just not the same. You can tell the replicators, they can read your mind, and they try to synthesize the same flavor, but it's never the same. Right, right. It'd be like if you tried to order like a like a Big Mac out in space, I don't feel like it would just, it just wouldn't come out right. Yeah. All right, I got one more question for you, Rax, and then I'll stop badging you about your past. What do you miss most, I mean, besides all the servants, probably, from your space empire? That's a good question. I'm just, I'm curious. Just, I, 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 like, I mean, you know, I know, I know some stuff about space, but like, it's very rare that I actually get to converse with a member of a sort of an entirely different civilization. So I'm just, what's, uh, what was all that like? The thing that I miss the most is the Orbital Concertus. Can you imagine an entire ring the size of a solar system dedicated entirely to the celebration of a single art getting visitors from across the universe? Can you imagine? Probably not. It's such your small, grounded, monkey brain. Okay, well, all right, we don't need to be rude, all right? Just like, you know, it's, you can you can just answer the question without sort of the condescension. We would appreciate it. I've been using at least like, you know, referring to you by titles. I don't know if I'm doing it correctly, but I'm trying here. Come on, meet me halfway. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It seems like the translator has converted my sense of superiority to... Does it have a built-in condescension feature? <laughs> It seems to appreciate uh, superiority as content. It is an imperfect piece of technology. Okay. If you can avoid it, we would appreciate it. But, you know, just technology is technology. I mean, you ever see Kolchak? We, I don't know that you can appreciate that. I mean, I love the Night Stalker. It's the only thing I miss from the Americas. That's true. We got some pretty cool movies. I, I mean, like, I'm not gonna. It's sort of a kind of a heavy. It, it's a big concept to wrap my head around. But God, I mean, it just like just conceptually. Got to be honest with you, it sounds gorgeous. Yeah, I'd like to see it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that'd be that'd be hell of a thing to witness. If I ever get the chance, I will. I will certainly try on your recommendation. I'll tell them direct sent me. 
I've been trying to get broadcast rights for it, but uh, the people there, they don't like uh, us very much. I, but uh, I can tell you, it is really so, like, unlike anything on Earth. Now, if I could get them to do some of our pop songs, getting something from the charts here, it will be amazing. I mean, imagining an entire solar system playing Creedence Clearwater, that sounds, that seems pretty radical to me. I'm not going to lie. Hey, do you think, never mind. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty nuts. Can I be honest with, with your, with your lordship, if you don't mind? Please. We are breaking bread. I'm not really sure I see. And you can hear Enrique on the other side. Who asked bread for the table? Okay, Enrique, I have literal plates and plates of food here. I ordered it for everybody. Just, man, it's it's for you too. Just get in there. Just go crazy. Like, seriously, I, I, I order everything for the table so that I can try everything. It is the key strategy of going to every restaurant. Bring a lot of people, order everything they have, try everything. That way, it's just it all gets ate. Now, eat. So Enrique has already has a mouthful and he stops to point at Lord Durax. You know, I like this guy. You understand where he stands for. You know, there is no fizzy footing around. You know what his whole deal is. Um, um. Enrique, he did try to drop a meteor on your country, which would have killed you and everyone you know. So maybe pump the brakes a little bit on that one. Yeah, like let's let's not give Raxy here too much credit. Back to my, I guess, sort of question for you, your lordship. What's next steps for you here? Because honestly, it seems like you're just sort of after this sort of perpetual expansion or I guess reclamation of an empire that, you know, you lost and it sounds like it 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 sounds like it hit pretty bad. You've been kind of given a gift. I don't know if you noticed, but you don't have any obligations. You don't have any anything that you're beholden to. It's just kind of you. Well, uh, I mean, you and what, like 20 million more you or something like that. I, I just, you know, what's stopping you from just kind of letting it go and just kind of seeing anything you want? I mean, you have functionally forever. You could have the privilege of just witnessing anything and everything in the universe, appreciating it and moving on and, and, you know, just not having to deal with the constancy of trying to fight new things. I mean, it just it sounds exhausting. And like you have the what you got is basically a blank slate. It's just a thought. It's not a you know, I'm not a uh, an expert, but I well, I'm not an expert in. I would say that higher level of war as far as making a blank slate for oneself and uh, sort of getting clean on some stuff. I'm uh, pretty well acquainted with that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a nice break from conquering whole trying to conquer Earth. Well, I thought you would understand. That's what your system for does, right? You keep order. You keep things on check. Do you have any idea of the chaos of the galaxy? Do you think this meteor was something? There's always countless dangers. Being Durax is a responsibility that is engraved on our genes. We must be stewards of the galaxy. We must keep chaos at bay. Durax is order. I cannot relax as there is chaos outside. Lives are frail. Lives are cheap. Lives are easy out there. Space is hostile. There is nothing but horror outside. Is why I need it. If I stay aside, there is either extinction or someone else like me. But there is nobody that can do my job better than I can. So I must strive for it. I mean, I guess I get feeling obligated. Please know that I, I mean this as kindly as I possibly can. 
might not be a bad idea to think a little bit about what has to be engraved on your genes. I say this only out of recognition that you are the last of your people. What the Duraks do is, or what the Duraks feel, that's really just you. So you, uh, you know, if you decide that the Duraks do or don't have to be a certain way anymore, there's nobody to tell you that you're wrong. I mean, you know, there's going to be people disagreeing with you probably depending on what those choices might be. Obviously, we had our little disagreement, but I'm just saying, blank slate. I, hey, I do appreciate your perspective. It's uh, it, it may not be mine, but it's certainly interesting. So Carnegie puts down his cap. Hey, Lord Rax, my friend, you know, you are free to do whatever we, you choose, but uh, CIA may have other uses for the cloning facilities if you are not uh, aligning your interest with ours. And he smiles. So, you know, you can do like Johnny here says and uh, find some peace in carving a kingdom in South America. And uh, you can rest. The good old West of A is out there bringing bringing order to the galaxy in your stead. Don't worry, we got it. Speaking of you, Mac, I got a question. With the kind of money your family has, why are you out here doing superhero stuff instead of, like, bagging models on uh, Bobby Kennedy's yacht? Well, as I like to tell my my friend, President Rockefeller, I am too good for these superhero things. This is why I went solo. I left the team because... I want to be clear, as soon as he says President Rockefeller, Johnny just like, he just chokes a very like, just like, yeah, all right, buddy, sort of laugh into his cup. He just like, mm-hmm, yep. Uh, Johnny's not being doubtful. He is being derisive. He's just like, yeah, dude, we get it. You have money. Move on. I'm too good for uh, my former teammates. They do their work here on Earth. They do the whole, whole playboy thing, as you say. But I'm interested in more. I have a vision. And uh, what I'm doing out there is to prove that there is a future for America and uh, that the interests of national security and world peace, they can be advanced on many different ways. Other than, uh, and he points at the, the bulletin with the, all the superheroes, all the veterans, uh, the, and other volunteers that fall in 74 other than the brute force and uh, I hope that my work out there can impress Rockefeller and others that uh, who knows they might want to consider someone else to be the next director of the CIA and he makes a pyramid with his fingers oh this is a job application I suppose so. That's the closest to one that I ever made. I thought the only thing you had to do to be directed to the CIA was be paranoid and wear something neat under your suit. But, uh... That's true. Are you, are you paranoid enough? We haven't asked. I mean, you're already in tights. Well, I am. But uh, as you two know, today, there are way too many paranoid people in power in America. I need to stand out. I need to be paranoid in the galactic scale. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds healthy. And wear the tights on the outside. Okay. All right, Alphonse. Then I got another. What's your favorite thing about space? I've never been. Johnny's been, but I, I'm I'm Earthbound. I didn't love it. I'm gonna be honest. It wasn't a great time. My favorite thing about space is actually it's all the uses that they have for antimatter. I cannot wait to for Carnegie Industries to bring that back home. You know, this isn't an ad or like a board meeting. You could say like the food off of Centauri 6 or something interesting. We're not going to invest. I, I, I mean, I got 
Yeah, I mean, you didn't have like there, there, you didn't have any sort of like single experience while you were out there that was just like I'm having a nice time. You, like you didn't have that. It was like this is a cool thing that most people have. It's just like nothing. Oh yes, I have the most enjoyable time enjoying all the products that Carnegie Media is sharing across the galaxy. For fuck's sake, bud. You're the kind of guy who goes. He's the kind of guy who goes to Amsterdam for work. Yeah, you really got it. Yes, why would you go to Amsterdam other than that? You know, he's he's never he's never tried it. Don't worry, don't explain it to him. Uh, Lord Rex interdicts for the International Criminal Court. How do you know about that? <laughs> Wait, a, yeah, is this how you feel when I know things? Yes, actually, actually, yeah, no, actually, this is exactly, hey, actually, yeah, let's, just for a moment, let's just sort of sit in this, just sort of this sort of level of just, uh, uh, of just general surprise together. And this is how I feel uh, when I see you do stuff a lot. Anyways, now that we got to enjoy that beautiful moment together, it doesn't, it doesn't actually matter how you know about that. It is cool that you know about it. Hey, we appreciate that you, that you do keep an eye on, I mean, I guess it's kind of in line with your whole order thing, you know, major sort of systemic institutions. That's not the point. Durax, is there anything you like about Earth? That's actually a great question. Do you? You know what was the more express, impressive thing? Your your water people and everything that you do is boiling water. Huh? That's you're not wrong. Oh, he, he okay. I, I, all right. <laughs> you harness the power of the atom and you boil water with it. Yeah, basically. And uh, Carnegie looks around. No, no. But they talking about no i mean you don't have a microwave i bet that if you got your antimatter here you will lose it to boil so much water <laughs> i don't well it's, i mean i don't i, I don't want to get i don't want to get technical but if we brought any matter here i think it would just sort of delete the water i don't think it would boil it it would just be gone but that's not the point we're, we're getting off track i'm sure we would find something like that to use it for i mean hey you know it's, it's the thing about the boiling water stuff is like we do we are what yes you're right we are water people and we do do a lot of water boiling um weirdly enough if the water is not clean we actually uh, it it can it can treat us very badly so we 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 have to boil it because that makes it that cleans it weirdly enough i i, I know that sounds like absolute gibberish but that, like you know I, I don't know man just like this i we just kind of showed up here we didn't really get a say in how weird it all works yeah, so you are an entire civilization of kettle people. You put things in kettle, you boil the water, and then with the water is boiled, you turn the wheel, and when the wheel turns, it boils the other kettle that then boils the other water. It's amazing. It's an entire planet of kettles. I mean, Alphonse, look at what Durax just changed how we think about Earth, and all you could say was, man, my dad's TV station is cool in space. Gotta be honest, I kind of like, I kind of, I, I kind of like it, you know. Joachim, jo- uh, John, what are you, we're just, we're just sticking up for the kettle people. It's nice, right? Yeah, we're the kettle people. It's gotta. No, no, you gotta, you gotta boil water to make everything. Exactly, and, and and we're just, you know, we're just here standing between the kettle people and stuff that means to hurt them. I like it. Why did you have to bring up my dad? Oh, okay, all right, we've touched it. We've touched a button. We shouldn't. Uh, we're not, we're not trying to bully you. Alphonse, no, no, I'm not trying to bully you, but I, I mean that I've been to America. Your, your dad's like big in that company. I, I've seen it with my eyes. 
Yeah, I mean, just sort of from the way you were kind of talking about it, I kind of assumed that y'all got on pretty well. I mean, you're like a, you have like friends, you're friends with like the president and like people in the CIA and you're like a superhero. I feel like that, is he not, are you not, are y'all not on good terms or something? Because just like, if I had a kid and they were a superhero and they were, I guess, friends with the entire government, I would at least be like, hmm, they've done some stuff. <laughs> Okay, all right, bud. Johnny sort of awkwardly like pats him on the shoulder, and he's like, "I tell you what, let me let's get you a little, a little something just a bit stronger than coffee. I kind of needed it." Hey, I, I know how to deal with this. I know how to deal with this, Lord Rex. Suggests. Do Do you? Yes. And Lord Rex raises one finger. Please put some water kettle to boil. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Let me tell you something. You're you have the right idea. I'm going to be, you, you have, yes. As, I, as far as you, I, I thank you. That was nice of you. You, tr- you really, you did, you did yeah. something there. I, I appreciate it. We're going to introduce you to a new kind of liquid that is, uh, it's made from boiling something a lot over and over, but it's uh, chemically speaking, not water. Although there's water in there. Tea. He stands up and he walks over to the doorway to the kitchen. There is no actual door there. There is just some curtains that hang down from the top about to about like midway, which is a restaurant deep cut that I'm, I'm, I'm throwing in there for anybody who knows about it. He sticks his head back there and he like we the audience see him kind of like chatting and like, you know, we can see just from like the like the waist down, like he's clearly like nodding and talking to somebody. And then he comes out with a, a bottle of old granddad and a few shot glasses and he sets them down in front of anybody who he. He basically like holds the bottle out and sort of just like offers shot glasses to anybody who wants one. That's not tea. I'm good. Oh, now we're talking something I understand. Yeah, this stuff's a little uh, stuff's a little heavier than beer. Are you more? Are you good on that one? Yes. Okay, excellent. All right. Hey, all right. I just, I'm love to see it. And he pours one for Joachim and he uh, pours one for Alphonse. He does not wait for to, to question on that one. I, I I I already know how this is actually going to go, and I feel like it's mostly just a gesture here. But you know, he figures. I think the the taste, the burn, at least, will kind of help clear up the heaviness of that. He turns to Lord Durax and he's like, "So this is all of alcohol? I mean, like, I'm sure alcohol exists. What poison? Yes." Okay. All right. Uh, this is alcohol. Do, do not drink this. We drink it. I mean, it is poison. We drink it recreationally. We do like it. It's a it's a weird relationship to have with poison. And he also offers it to Enrique. Oh, yes. Enrique's already there with the, the glass. Yeah, he's, yeah, he just he pours one for Enrique. He's like, effing finally. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, hey, she's like, hey, Enrique, try not to try not to act too excited. All right. And just, come on, let's be cool in front of the alien. Don't embarrass us in front of space, man. And he uh, holds it up and he uh, says salute now and uh, just uh, takes one takes one back with everybody, hopefully to try and get Alphonse to just like mellow out a little bit. I know. Mm-hmm. And just uh, just that tear streaked Mac five as this little old Chilean man, a Viking, a dude in a duster and a fucking Stetson hat and a it's all raising a glass of whiskey in front of a confused alien who doesn't understand why we're drinking poison.
Crimson Gold Agonies is an associate of court games and D20 rating. Joaquin Jarve, aka Berserkir, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. They are available for editing work. Message them for rates. Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlatzer. They can be found at SGCA Delaysec on Instagram and Young Space Dad on Twitter. They are largely impressive. John Doe is played by Bradley Hainler. You can follow him at Judge the Barbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettil and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Sentinel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits. Crimson Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast just because a friend told us about it.